What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the 11th installment of Wise Guys Hideaway. I'm your host, as always, Ian Barr. Sitting in, in with me today is my sound tech, M, and my boy, Brandon Clogg. Brandon, say what's up to everybody. How's it going, everyone? This is my boy, Brandon. We go way back, so this one's kind of fun. I got a big, stupid smile on my face for this one. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to give a couple quick shout-outs here. Shout-out to Our Thing Clothing Apparel, Gunner Lynn Bloom, The Books, To Be a Kings, Volume 1 and 2, Scott M. Bernstein, the uh, author of Motor City Mafia and the proprietor of the original Gangster Podcast, which is a, I mean, it's just, it's the top-notch podcast when it comes to true crime, you guys. If you haven't listened to it yet, give it a listen. Big shout-out to all the guys on Facebook. Big shout-out to Ron Roach for the uh, interview, the one-on-one he did with me the other night for Danny Green. Really appreciate you. Boston Rob, James Ramirez, Kyle Raditz, David Haley, all you fuckers. You guys know who you are. You know I love you. Shout-out to my friends and family. We're going to get into this now. Today I'm talking about Owen, Owen, Owen. Owen Vincent Madden, y'all. Now, you guys probably know him better as Oni Madden. Now, Clark, I know you don't know a lot about Oni Madden, but you got a little Irish running through your veins, so you got to have some love for uh, the bootleg era. It's the 20s. Coronavirus is kicking. You know what yeah. I mean? How do you feel about the coronavirus, though? Ugh, the corona, huh? The rona. We're going to dive into the rona before we dive into Oni, you guys. <laughs> How do you feel about it? <laughs> like everybody's losing their fucking mind. Losing their minds. And hoarding the wrong thing. What y'all gonna do with toilet paper when everything falls, man? That ain't canned goods. Come on now, get it together. What'd you say? Somebody roll a joint. Somebody roll a joint. My sound tech saying. My my producer M saying. So Brandon, you wanna get on rolling a joint and I'll dive into this and we'll chime you back in in a minute. Brandon ain't a big talker, but I'm I'm making him do this with me because we having fun. They say we supposed to be quarantined, but we out here. We drinking. We doing it right. So <laughs> big shout out to Rolling Rock because I'm drinking and they ain't paying me for it. And uh, big shout out to the quarantine laws because y'all making this one big party. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting into it right now. Now, born on December 18th, 1891 in the United Kingdom and Leeds, Owen Vincent Madden, uh, who would become known as Oni, Oni Madden, or would later just become the killer uh, because he was such a ruthless son of a bitch, uh, started his life and it didn't start very well. I mean, his father was a, a low-level criminal and a degenerate. And where's, where's Leeds? Leeds is, uh, <laughs> it's like... It's subset. It's like around, like in between, like Ireland and the UK, or Ireland and England. For like, if my geography little, is correct, a little island. Yeah, yeah, two. sort of. Yeah, kind of like a, like a port town, almost like a, it's not really an island, but when it's something like you know how like when it comes off of like some parts in the states, like uh, like South Beach and shit, how it kind of comes off and it makes its own little isle, but it is still connected to the mainland. It's like Man, almost sure. too big to be called an island. Yeah, like, yeah, and there's like a main passage usually to like the the mainland. Like it's not like Hawaii. Like a, there's like an actual bridge. Yeah, yeah. From uh, from what I remember of geography, anyway. Now this is gonna get bombarded in the comment section. Someone's gonna be that's not even where Leeds is, you fucking moron. But I mean, if it's if it's not, correct me, guys, for real, for real. I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind the criticism. I'm just going off of what I remember from eighth grade geography. So. Anyhow, <laughs> born in Leeds now, his, like I said, his father was just a degenerate and was always, you know, a knock around criminal and his mother sort of started moving the family around. Uh, they first moved to Wiggins, which I, I don't know where that is. And then they moved to Liverpool, which we do know where that is, Clogged. Like, uh, the, remember the movie Green Street Hooligans? Oh, like, yeah, West Ham and like Birmingham and uh, Millwall and all that. That's, a, <laughs> that's around that area. So one, once they moved there, um, Oni's father sort of just never really provided. So eventually he did the ultimate not providing by just dying on March 11th, 1932. And his, <laughs> and his mother, uh, Mary Madden, his father's name was Francis, by the way, his, uh, his mother, Mary Madden, uh, decided that she wanted to try to get to the United States. I mean, this is during that time period where, 
getting to the United States, I mean, it's the dream. Like, I mean, you're not, there really wasn't <laughs> that much for immigrants to do. It was shit work. It was backbreaking work, but it was really better than the options they had with where they came from. So she eventually in 1901 brings herself to lower Manhattan. She moves in with her widowed sister and she, uh, I, be I believe she started as a, a seamstress or something along those lines. I mean, it's, it's the early, early 19th century. So there's not many jobs available for an immigrant and let alone an immigrant woman. Like it's, it was a rough time to be either. And especially if you were the double whammy, you were really getting shit on. So coming from there, they probably looked Irish anyway. Oh yeah. And sounded it, had a brogue, probably didn't speak English. And nobody liked the Irish around then. <laughs> nobody liked the Irish around then. But she, I mean, she does, she does what any hardworking and good mother does. She, she provides for the family like their piece of shit dad wouldn't. And eventually in 1902, she's able to bring all her children to her. Now she did have three children. Uh, he did, he did have siblings. I do not know their names. Unfortunately, that's another reason I decided to do Oni Madden tonight is he, I mean, he's a real big mystery. You guys have been on an Irish kick lately. If you can't tell, got the Danny Green and the Vincent Mad Dog Cole episodes. And I decided to do Oni Madden one, because I have a bottle of rum that's called Oni's Rum. And uh, it's just been inspiring me to do an episode on him from the get-go. And it's uh, actually, it's phenomenal rum, too. Shouts out Oni's Rum. New York City Original Rum is the subset name or whatever you want to call it. But as soon as he touched down, the family moves to Hell's Kitchen. Now, Hell's Kitchen is called Hell's Kitchen. It actually got its name from a beat cop who described Hell's Kitchen as hell on earth. The worst possible place to work as a police officer. And this was mainly due to the, I mean, like Clog just said a minute ago, they didn't really like the Irish. They spoke a real thick brogue. And I mean, I mean, the Irish are criminals. What are you going to do? It is what it is. Like <laughs> we just, we have it in our bloods. So we can't help it. And at this period in time, Hell's Kitchen was run by multiple street gangs and Oni took to these streets almost immediately. Now he shacked up with a little group called the Gophers, which I mean, it doesn't sound very intimidating now, but tell them that in 1902 and they'd probably fucking stab you. So, I mean, <laughs> they... They didn't, they weren't into like the labor racketeering and stuff like that. Like the, uh, like the Italians were, I mean, actually at this period in time, the Italians haven't even really begun to get into the labor racketeering. They're still running numbers and everybody's sort of sticking to themselves, uh, amongst organized crime right now. The Jewish, you know, criminals sort of stick with the Jewish criminals and the, the Italians stick with the Italians, the Irish with the Irish. But, uh, as I mean, as we've spoken before on Lucky Luciano, he'll change all that, but that's not going to be till 1931. And he's just a figment in the thought of what'll be organized crime at this period in time too. Now it's reported that by the time he was 16, Oni Madden had killed five people. Now <laughs> that's just outrageous. Like my 16, I've probably been in a few fisticuffs. I've probably done a few shitty things, but I don't know if, uh, I quite have that claim to fame that I've smoked five people by 16 and that's just recorded. So I'm guessing it's, I mean, I'm guessing it's probably a couple more or maybe even like a couple less things do tend to get, you know, lost in history. Is that joint ready yet? Clog? Five people at 16. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's outrageous. You just, you don't yeah. even know, like. Kimball Slice got famous for fucking, for less than that. For beating people at, people up at 14. <laughs> Seriously. Just killing people. Just killing people. Just killing people. And probably for very little, too. Like, we always like to glamorize the mafia hitman. Like, there was a lot of money to be made. It really probably was just enough money to get fucking through the week. <laughs> yeah. You know, back in that time period, it got better as the, you know, as they got better. But during this, this time, it's like... Just doing it as a normal paycheck. As a normal paycheck. Like, like a nine to five. It's just, not, it's just murder, man. Everybody does it, apparently. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, his... His pension for murder, though, would actually eventually be his downfall and kind of his rise to success. He would he would get copped up pretty quickly, 
and he would serve seven years for a murder that they deem manslaughter. Now, back in this day, it didn't take much to get manslaughter. You guys, you could gun somebody down outside a fucking well, barbershop. Seven years for manslaughter. Seven years for manslaughter. Well, he, you know, he got ten to twenty. He did seven. He was a he was a model inmate. Which in that time, that's saying a lot too. Because so he got out on seven years on good behavior. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I do believe he served his time in Sing Sing uh, Penitentiary, Sing Sing Prison. And he's released in 1923. Now, I mean, I mean, we're reliving the 20s again, as you can see via my podcast. So I don't have to remind everybody, or if it's the first one you're listening to, I'll just let you know. In January 20th of 1920, the 18th Amendment in the Constitution was passed, and that was the sale and manufacturing of alcohol becoming illegal. Prohibition. Yeah, that's the fatty. Pass that over here. Joint break, y'all. <laughs> this part of the podcast is brought to you by marijuana. Get you some today. Oh, that's good. All right. Now, anyway, once he's released in 1923, I mean, Prohibition's at a peak. The The beer wars are at an all-time high. People are robbing, killing, and shooting each other like nobody's business. Everybody who's chasing a crook and nickel is chasing alcohol right now. It is the biggest, probably the biggest racket to ever hit. It's the way to make money. It's the way to make money. Everybody wants to drink, especially in this time. Water was shit. You had to drink the milk as it came because you had milkmen still. It's delivered by the... I don't even know if refrigerators are around in 1923. And if so, the Irish ain't got them. That I can promise. That, that I can... That uh, icebox. Oh, my sound tech just informed me that it would be an icebox. You know, just to keep me... Just to keep me up to date. I mean, that makes sense. No, that's, that's probably about right. She's a very quiet one, folks. But M, my sound tech, and one of my producers is uh, definitely the whip trying to just keep me in line all the time. Now... He begins hopping right back into crime. I mean, just like before he went to prison, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks, even though he's very young at this time still. But he's employed by a streetwise hood by the name of Larry Fay. Now, Larry's a, a pretty predominant bootlegger throughout Hell's Kitchen and a, and a couple other various areas. And he really starts teaching Oni, like, the, the ways of bootlegging, how to, how to bring it in, how, how to hustle it, how to distill it, how to, you know, keep the cops paid off and all the politicians in your pocket. So that you don't have problems getting your booze across the borders and your booze to your speakeasies. Teaching them the ropes. Exactly. Now, I mean, I don't know too much about Larry Fay. All I know is that he was a very streetwise individual. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, guys. I'm probably going to look more into him now after doing this episode and maybe even do an episode on him. But all I've, I've read up on Larry Fay is that he really, he knew the rackets. He, <coughs> he's a really smart guy for his time, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you just meet people in, the, in a period in time where they thrive. You know what I mean? Like, anybody on this... So he was a good middleman. Yeah. Yeah, like, he never wanted too much power. He never wanted to get too high up. And, like, I mean, I haven't heard too much about him, so he either did it right or he got killed quick, right? <laughs> now, one of the more brilliant things that Oni Manon did is, uh, in order to run Canadian whiskey across the border, he set up a taxi cab stand. And, I mean, a lot, I mean, in this day and age, that wouldn't be considered smart, because they'd be like, oh, they'll, they'll search a cab high and low. But back in the day, they had, like, this whole, oh, you're a working man, you must, you know, you must have honor, you must have morals, you must have, so if you were a garbage carter, if you were a taxi cab driver, a milkman, anybody, it was sort of easy for you to smuggle booze, kind of like when drug smuggling first started, uh, stewardesses or flight attendants, I think they like to be called, excuse me, uh, were like, they were the kingpins, or not the kingpins, they were the middlemen, but like, they, I mean, they really were the kingpins if, they, if you really break it down, because you could get on, they wouldn't check your bags. You know, that's all changed in this day and age, but I mean, back then, a taxi cab to run bootleg Canadian whiskey, probably not a bad little, probably not a bad little racket. He, uh, he would even employ a, a future celebrity actor, actually, too, George Raff, 
who uh, has been in uh, 1930s gangster films. I mean, he is the 1930s gangster image from Scarface to, uh, I can't think of another one, guys. I apologize. But nonetheless, George Raff is, you can catch him flipping. He's the one who you see flipping the half dollar. He's kind of got like a mean mug grin. And he actually employed him as a driver for a while. Only Madden employed George Raff as a driver. And, I mean, that always helped these guys. They love to, they love to mingle not only with, you know, people they thought might be up-and-comers and politicians, but, like, just anybody that they genuinely felt was, like, a stand-up guy, and that's how they felt about George Raft, despite the fact that he'd become a, a mega Hollywood sensation, he'd be friends with Buzz, Bugsy Siegel, Lucky Luciano, all these guys, he was always considered kind of a stand-up guy for, like, you know, nowadays Hollywood guys, I mean, you couldn't, no, they don't come from backgrounds like that, except shout-out Woody Harrelson, because, I mean, your dad was the real motherfucking deal, he was a hitman, so I can't speak on your name, but we know who I'm talking about, these my, these new-age guys, they ain't coming up like, oh, yeah, I used to be a, I used to be a driver for a bootlegger, and now I'm an actor, that ain't how it goes no more, guys, that just ain't how it goes, now, only, uh, as the Irish seem to, yeah, no, yeah, it'd be all over Instagram nowadays, you know what I mean, people taking pictures and videos, now, one of Oni's big, like, one of his favorite things to do, he really liked it. He loved hijacking rivals' shipments. You know what I mean? Like, they got a crate of gin coming in. Or they got a, a crate. They got a truck of gin coming in. I want that truck. You know? Yeah. He, he got off on that. It seemed like that was a really big thing. I mean, he robbed some notable people. One of the, one of the most notable, though, would be Bill, Big Bill Dwyer, who was another Hell's Kitchen gangster, who was not, not to be trifled with you guys. He would definitely have his own episode on here, too. And, I mean, that just showed me that Oni Madden had a lot of balls or a lot of craziness. I mean, me and Ron Roach broke it down the other night. Like, you're either a lot of smart with a, a nice amount of balls or you got a lot of balls and you just, you don't got any brains, man. You're just fucking nuts and it keeps working out for you, <laughs> you know? I mean, we've met a few people like that. <laughs> now, he eventually wants to go legitimate. Like, most of these guys tend to want to go legitimate. And Oni Madden was no different. He uh he seen himself as more of, like, a, a nightclub owner or, like, you know, the sort of the Playboy Mansion type fella, and that's that's all he ever wanted to be. So eventually, him and what at one point was his rival, George Fox DeMange, uh, they begin opening nightclubs or extorting nightclubs to where they own them uh, just all throughout the city, you guys. I mean, the most notable was the Cotton Club. I mean, that's that's a legendary, legendary nightclub from this time period. But, I mean, they would also, they would also take over the Storks Club and Club Deluxe, and, I mean, those two they extorted. I can't be like, oh, they bought them. No, they, they walked in. They were like, guess what? We own a piece of this club now. You don't like it? Like, well, I mean, I got five bodies by 16, so what the fuck do you think is going to happen? You know what I mean? <laughs> now, this is where it like this is where it's weird with Oni Madden because most of these guys, they get a taste of this, and they can't stop. I mean, he got real deep into being a boxing promoter. Uh, he was friends with uh, one of the most notable boxers of all time, Jack Johnson. I mean... And pretty much everybody from that time, you know, like, and he would fix bets and he would fix horses and he had the bootlegging and he had the protection rackets and he had everything he could have ever wanted. But as soon as the heat started to swirl, he was gone. In 1932, Oni Madden uh, becomes involved with uh, a ruthless and vicious and loose hinged Irish gangster by the name of Vincent Mad Dog Cole. I've done an episode on him previously. And this kid was just a fucking nut, you guys. Like, this kid was fucked three ways from Sunday. He didn't stand a chance. He thought it'd be a good idea to kidnap Oni's brother-in-law, hold him for ransom, and say, you come pay my mama pull a bull in this prick's head. Now, how it went is back in the old days is, like, when you'd go into, like, a pharmacy or candy store or anything, like, the phone box, everybody thinks of the phone box in the 70s and 80s where it's outside. No, 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 no. This is old times. Phone box is inside still. You go into the store, you go to the back, and there's a couple phone boxes. You go into the phone box, hello, operator, that whole bit. You know what I mean? So he's in there making this call to Oni, and Oni keeps him on the phone while some hitters come. 
They walk into the candy store and they tap on the glass and old Vincent Mad Dog Cole looks over and that's all she freaking wrote, you guys. You know, he gone. Now he gone, she gone. <laughs> but after that, he, I mean, Oni Madden was arrested. It, I mean, it wasn't any, you know, big surprise that Vincent Mad Dog Cole ended up dead, but the police did know who his enemies were. <clears throat> and Oni Madden was right at the top of that list. So they arrest him and he's already on parole. He had been arrested for like, uh, I, I do believe a weapons charge, like a light, a little light, something that gangsters got out of all the time back then. It was no big deal, but being arrested on parole is always a big deal. They've always made that a big deal. That's been the way they put people back. <laughs> you know, you don't get arrested on parole or probation. And they're grilling them, they're grilling them, and they say, look, we know you were involved. We don't care about that. We want you to give up the Italians. Lucky Luciano starting to rise to power. You know, Salvatore Maranzano's, you know, all the old-time bosses are dying or been killed. <clears throat> and Lucky Luciano set up the commission. And Oni Madden is not part of the commission because he's not Italian. He's, uh, he's Irish. But he does do a lot of business with Meyer Lansky, who's a Jewish gangster, who's sort of like Lucky Luciano's advisor. You know, he wasn't involved either because the commission can only be Italian. You have to be Italian to sit on the commission of the mafia. So he knows the guys, he knows the guys. Yeah, you know, you know a guy who knows a guy. But this harassment, it didn't shake him. He didn't flip. He didn't end up doing something stupid and getting killed. He just says, well, that's that. And he hightails it. And he hightails it to Hot Springs, Arkansas. And he literally... Spends the remaining years of his life there. He even gets married, and he's married until his dying day. And he, he got away. He got away. He got away, and he he would die on April twenty fourth, nineteen sixty five. Well, you know, with a family, and he, he never went back to crime. Never. When he left, when he left Manhattan, when he waved Manhattan goodbye, he it was kind of like he it was like him saying, "Okay, this is the start of my new life," and that's incredible that's not just incredible for a gangster that's really incredible for an irish gangster i've never read up on an irish gangster who didn't blow all their money and end up shot up somewhere turn informant or didn't have the feds working for him like whitey bulger or you know uh, danny green or like any of those guys they either get really involved and end up getting killed they either end up killing the wrong person and getting killed the, the irish just pretty much always end up dead is what i'm saying you know what I mean? There, there's a handful of turncoats, but I mean, I'm not claiming Henry Hill because he's half Italian too. So, you know, we got we both got to claim that one, you guys. You know, it sucks. What are you going to do? Goodfellas is a great movie. Shouts out, Martin Scorsese. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I mean, it's incredible. You know, 1965, Oni Madden was 68 years old. 68 years old. He outlived Lucky Luciano. He out, I mean, he outlived most of them. Guys like Carlo Gambino outlived him. And Sonny Francis, the oldest living mobster ever in my first episode, previewed at Wise Guys Hideaway. Yeah, a little plug for myself there. But none, nonetheless, you guys, Oni Madden was a true to blue Irish mob legend. And, uh, I mean, that's all I really got to say about it. I want to thank my sound tech M for being here, giving me pointers along the way. I want to thank my buddy Brandon, who's not really privy on doing this shit, for sitting in and saying what he could. Brandon, big shout out to you. Thanks, man. Yeah, my bad. Thanks, y'all. No, no problem. Have a good one, guys.